Hello and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, whole lot of crime. But this week, international. Woo! It's like country of crime. Or, <laughs> right? Yeah, something. something. Yeah. <laughs> we need to change it up. And we really missed you guys last week. We did. There was a lot. Kyle, we're, yeah, Kyle, we're sorry we made you angry. But like, guys, my baby's in kindergarten now. My baby's oh. in third grade. Oh. It's scary. Oh. It's yeah. so sad. I know. Well, I was super excited last week because I really wanted to open with two things. Mm -hmm. First, of course, which is actually still quite topical. So, okay. Jeffrey Epstein, which theory? Somebody fucking killed him. There's no way he fucking killed himself. Either way, I don't care who did it. I'm glad he's dead. Yeah. 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 I, I just, my only is the thing about. What secrets did he take? And his victims have been denied that feeling of justice. Yeah. And, you know, getting to see him prosecuted. And do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just having it all tied up, I guess, that way. But. I also have to think about it in a way of, like, kind of, nobody really wants to pay for the prosecution. You know what I mean? Because that's our tax dollars at work, man. And nobody fucking wants that. He's better off dead anyway. You know oh, yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Well, my whole issue with it was because, of, of course, at first they were saying, you know, that he was on suicide watch, which he was not. He had been taken off suicide watch July 29th or, or right around there anyway. Um, but my whole thing is just like, how do you have somebody that high profile? Do you know what I And Yeah. Something like this happens. There's... I... I you know, I... Have you read into the Clinton conspiracy theories? The Clinton conspiracy is a bunch of bullshit. And I'm sorry. I'm so sick of that. First of all, who's in power? Who is in power right now and has ties to the Russians and the Russian mafia? I feel like we've taken a strong turn here. No, honestly, that is the stupidest thing. And of course, this individual of whom I speak, was one of the first to get out there and tweet about the Clintons. That whole Clinton thing is such a bunch of bullshit. I'm sorry. It just is. So, ugh. Makes me gag and roll my eyes and want to throw up. Oh, it's going to be a fun one. Well, we're back. We're and back. And I'm, again, in my recording t-shirt. You are, and I like it. Um, This was an accident. <laughs> I got home, I changed really fast, and on my way here in the car, I was like, oh, I did it again. Yes, yes. Kaylin has a recording shirt. I'm kind of jealous, actually. I, I need a recording shirt. I mean, I bought it at Walmart, yeah. so. <laughs> but my other topical thing oh, yeah, I wanted sorry. to talk about. Okay. No, that's okay. Was, uh... Quentin Tarantino's new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Never, don't know what you're talking about. It is amazing. Okay. So, have you seen Inglourious Bastards? Uh, yes. Okay, so you know that's kind of, I, I decided that. Kind of, I've kind of seen okay. it. Okay, so with Inglourious Bastards and now with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he has, he's creating a new genre of history the way I wish it would have happened. And because in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's taking on the Tate-LaBianca murders. Although, well, the LaBiancas aren't even part of it. But the Sharon Tate, the Charles Manson okay. murders. And this is the way you wish it would have happened. And that's all I'm going to say because I don't want to give too many spoilers. But you all definitely need to see it. That sounds intriguing. Yeah. Both 
Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio give the Ooh. performances of their careers. I do love me some Leonardo DiCaprio. They are both just so amazingly fantastic in this film. And you all definitely need to go out and see it right away because it's fabulous. And like I said, this is what you wish would have happened that night. And that's huh. all I'm going to say. Well... Fuck, how do you do that to me? I know. Because now I don't want to do this. Now I want to go watch this stupid movie. <laughs> well, you're stuck here with me. So yeah. there you go. All right, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, We're so. Ready to jump right in? Yeah, I got to pick the country. You did? Because I kind of bullied you into it. I mean, that's fine. I expected that this was no doubt going to be on our list. Yes, definitely. But you just decided to pick it first. And I mean, we never, we still haven't really decided how we're doing the country. So I guess I'll pick next. Oh, good. Yeah, you are definitely picking next. But, well, one of the reasons, like I said, is I had already kind of stumbled into this mm -hmm. jokingly theory about all these Germans who had come to the United States to become murderers and or serial killers. Exactly. Um, which, and this case actually was one I, I've been familiar with for a long time, but it ended up tying into some of my other cases as well. And it was just, Ooh. yeah, just one of those weird things where you've got all these little strands of synchronicity mm -hmm. coming together. So... It made me happy. So we today are talking about the Hinterkaifeck murders. So before we get into this, I'm also going to say that I had a super hard time finding a case for a couple of reasons. One of my like, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, but one of my like main criteria for a case and this is probably going to be going over all of our international mm -hmm. cases that we do. One of like one of my high criteria, I have to be able to pronounce the name. <laughs> and do you know how many of these German names? I have no idea how to say it. Should have taken German. But I wasn't allowed to take German. Oh. <laughs> my parents wouldn't let me. If I took a if I took a language class, it had to be Spanish. Okay. Because it'd be more useful. I get so tired. Well, I'm not even going there because yeah, it's um, too early for me to rage. <laughs> So that was one of the, the like main things I needed. I have mm -hmm. to be able to pronounce their name. I'll help you. Well, I got one that I feel like I'm, I'm not. You're pretty good. I don't think I'm screwing it up. Okay. So we'll see what happens. I'll tutor you quickly during Thanks. the break. Yes. So, <laughs> so we are going, and this is actually a case that I'm kind of assuming a lot of our listeners are already familiar with, but I think I'm going to bring something to it that maybe they're not. And I even believe that I may have glancingly mentioned it in some of my other cases, but now Ooh. I can't remember. So. Okay. All right. So we are going to Southern Germany, the state of Bayern, which most people know as Bavaria. And Bavaria is actually, I think, the part of Germany that most people actually are thinking of when they think of Germany without really knowing it, gotcha. you know? So if you associate Germany with cuckoo clocks and lederhosen and, you know, big beer steins and all that kind of stuff, a lot of that is very Bavarian. Okay. And even within Germany, Bavaria is kind of like stands alone, you know, and there's a tradition I've found all over the world <laughs> of people looking down on their southern portion. Like if you go to Italy, the Italians will tell you from Rome on down, cut it off. You know, everyone south of Rome is a gangster, is a mafiosa. And in Germany, you find a lot of those jokey kind of things too about Bavaria. So gotcha. 
So we're going to a place about 43 miles north of Munich, München, which actually the whole town and this whole area doesn't even exist anymore. It's, it's been swallowed up by a neighboring town which kept growing, okay? But we're going to go to this area which is known as Hinterkaifeck at the time at the very, very end of March in 1922. Okay. So Germany is still healing from the brutality that was World War I. And we are also not too far. Of course, you know, Munich, like I said, is 43 miles away. And the following year, this weird little short guy with a strange little mustache is going to come to political prominence with something that will later be known in history as the Beer Hall Putsch. And of course, that is Adolf Hitler. So Bavaria, Bavarians were some of the first to really embrace Nazism. So um, the family that we're talking about are is the Gruber family. Okay. We have Andreas Gruber, who is 63. His wife, Cecilia, who is 72, so we got a little cougar action going on here. <laughs> um, their widowed daughter, Victoria Gabrielle, who, like many, many people, many women, lost spouses during World War mm -hmm. I. Um, she's 35. She has a daughter named Cecilia, who is named after the mother, the grandmother, mm -hmm. who is seven. And she has a two-year-old boy named Yosef. And we'll talk a little bit about him because you're looking at me strangely. Um, mm -hmm. If she was widowed, right, uh -huh. during World War I, uh -huh. World War I ends in 1918. Uh -huh. It's 1922. Uh-huh. We'll that's, that's what my side eye was for. Yes. And they also have a maid who showed up for her first day on the job. March 31st of 1922, a 44-year-old woman named Maria Baumgartner. Okay. All right? So the farm here where they live was built probably around 1863. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know if it had always been in the same family. I'm going to kind of assume it probably had. That was usually how these things worked back then, but who knows. And... Some strange things had been happening on the farm. Now, six months prior, they had had a maid who had worked for them for a very, very long time who upped and quit. And she claimed that the farm was haunted and that she had been hearing footsteps in the attic. She often felt as if she were being watched. Okay. Creepy. Yes. Um... More recently, much closer to March 31st of 1922, the father, Andreas Gruber, had also had some weird experiences. He had found a newspaper that was printed in Munich in his home that he had not purchased, nor had anyone else who was living there, apparently. There were footsteps in the snow leading from the woods, which were very close to... So you had the farm, and then nearby you had a fairly dense wood at the time, okay. forest. And Andreas had told multiple people that he had found footsteps leading up to his back door. And not coming back. And not anywhere Ooh, else. Yeah. That's so creepy. Mm -hmm. And 
other people besides Andreas and members of the family had mentioned that they had seen a man with a mustache standing at the edge of the woods watching, seemingly watching people. And the family had also been hearing footsteps in the attic, just like the maid. So creepy. So creepy. Now, we're going to add to the creepiness, however. I think, I'm trying to think where's the best place to put this. I think I'll hold off for a minute. Okay. So on the 31st of March, Maria Baumgartner's sister brings her to the farm to begin her new job as their maid. She was probably the last person to see any of these people alive. Dun, dun, dun. So over the next few days, <clears throat> nothing really seems out of place, except that Friday, seven-year-old Cecilia Gabrielle was not at school, which was kind of unusual. And there was, you know, no contact had been made with the school to explain her absent. Now, Bavaria is a very, very Catholic area, okay. and the entire Gruber family always went to Mass on Sunday. They didn't show up, okay? Um, and the postman had also noticed on Monday, the 3rd of April, that the mail that he had delivered on Saturday was still there at the post box and had not been picked up, which okay. was also strange. Yeah. The next day, on the 4th of April, a man named Albert Hofner showed up on the farm to repair a food chopper, which he had made arrangements, you know, they had hired okay. him to do this. But when he looked around, he couldn't find anybody on the farm. He did notice that the barn door was open, and he wasn't sure um, when it had opened. So when he got there, he kind of looked around, couldn't find anybody went ahead and worked on this food chopper. It took him about four and a half hours to make the repair. And as he was leaving, saw that the barn door was open. And then he couldn't really remember had it been open when he arrived or not. So um, he peeked kind of, you know, into the darkness of the barn, but he never went in. He went back to town and told the ma the mayor, which a mayor in German, by the way, is a Burgermeister. <laughs> any of you remember, like, there's a wonderful little TV Christmas show that comes on every year that has a character named Burgermeister Meister Burger, which I love. <laughs> what the um, heck? And okay. so oh, three fuck. men end up going to the farm on the 4th of April. They enter the barn. They find Andreas, his wife, Cecilia, Victoria and seven-year-old Cecilia stacked on top of each other underneath some straw and of course they are all dead. Okay. okay. They uh, was later determined that they had been killed with a mattock which is kind of like a pickaxe. Oh, axe? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I see where you're going. Yes. The, they then went to the house. They find Maria dead in her bedchamber. And two-year-old Yosef is dead in his, in his bed. Okay. And what's really strange about this is from the condition of the bodies, they're pretty sure they were killed on the 31st of March. 
because like we said, the mail was never picked up on Saturday mm -hmm. and the 31st of March was a, a Friday. Mm -hmm. So most, you know, accounts assume that's probably the th when they were killed. Mm -hmm. However, no one had noticed anything amiss at the farm. And in fact, neighbors had seen smoke coming from the chimney of the house. The animals had all been fed. And in fact, the cows had even been milked. So whoever killed them, like, took care of chores and stuff to make it look less suspicious. Stayed around. What the yeah. fuck? And had, and had obviously been living in the house preparing meals. Oh, With the my dead bodies. God, of, that is disgusting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So <sighs> the theory is that somehow this person... Possibly persons, there's a lot of people who think maybe more than one were involved, that somehow um, Andreas, the elder Cecilia, the daughter Victoria, and seven-year-old Cecilia had been lured out to the barn somehow, one by one, where they were murdered. Okay? But like I said, it was brutal. The elder Cecilia had also been strangled, as had Victoria. Both of them showed signs of strangulation, <sighs> as well as being killed with this mattock. Ugh. Cecilia was reported to have had seven blows to her head, which cracked her skull. Oh, my so, gosh. So either way, this was probably overkill. Yeah. Know? Andreas had been beaten so badly that his cheekbones were actually protruding from his face. Oh, the flesh was ugh, totally gone. Yeah. Ugh. Victoria, like we said, also showed some signs of strangulation. Her skull had been just smashed. And here's where it gets really awful. Oh, no. Seven-year-old Cecilia, uh -uh. her lower jaw was just shattered. Oh. However, Though her face and neck were covered in gaping circular wounds, she had probably lived for several hours no. alone in that barn with the dead bodies of her grandparents and mother. There were clumps of her hair oh, that had been no. pulled, that she herself had pulled out, probably in shock and despair. Oh, yeah. my heart. Yeah. I'm super emotional today. This is a terrible and, uh, case. I'm sorry. Though. Well, it's a horrible case. It's a horrible case. And like I said, and then in the house, Maria, the maid, had also been killed with blows to the head. And Joseph had been killed with a blow to the face. Oh, she says. Yeah. And both of those bodies in their respective rooms had been covered. Okay. So all the bodies were covered because the bodies in mm -hmm. the barn were also covered with straw. And here's where it also gets a little bit stranger. There were large sums of money in the house. None of it was touched. Exactly. Oh, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. So you had somebody who wiped out this entire family. For nothing. Lived there for several days, taking care of the animals, fixing meals, and but left behind things of value. Fucking weird. That right. I feel like that is like the worst of the worst mm -hmm. because like... They killed for fun. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They they didn't get anything out of it except for whatever they get out of killing people. 
Yeah, there's something strange here for sure. Fuck. So, and we're going to come back to some of that. Oh, dear. So, even today, this is an unsolved murder, which you and I don't like, of course. I've been I've been warming up to it. Okay. <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest. Now, there was a neighbor who lived nearby, and he actually led the search party to the house. I think there were a total of three people, three or four people, and he led it. And so, a lot of people, immediately there was some suspicion about him because... He had had an affair with Victoria and had openly referred to two-year-old Yosef as his son. And in fact, had even been ordered to pay child support of some kind. He had wanted to marry Victoria, but her father, Andreas, said no and interfered with that. Wow. And so this neighbor had since married another woman. They had had a baby who died very, very young. And so there was this theory that, you know, he was resentful, whatever. It gets even stranger, though, because there are some sources that report that Andreas and Victoria had been carrying on an incestuous affair and that Yosef was, in fact, no! The result of that. Oh, no! Yeah, it's gross. And it was weird because some of the sources, like almost all the sources agreed that it was pretty well known that she and her, that there was an incestuous relationship going on here. What? But what was strange is some of the sources said it was quote-unquote proven that Yosef was actually Andreas's child, but I don't know how that could have been in 1922. Yeah. So I was a little confused by that, but the incest seems to be pretty well reported. Like supposedly somebody even walked in on Victoria and Andreas in the barn at one point. And so some of the theories are that somebody in the village killed them because, you know, to hide the shame of the village or whatever. Huh. But like, why kill everybody then? I guess, yeah, I guess yeah. That if everybody's kind of involved, if the... If they, they're guilty by association, I guess. Right. So there's a lot of those sort of theories floating around. I'm not convinced about the neighbor theory, mostly because how could he have been over there fixing meals and hanging out for four days when he's married? Do you know what and I mean? And has a kid. Like, how is he going Well, on? his baby was already dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You're right, you're right. But, but still, there's just something not right about there. Yeah. yeah. And when we talk about neighbors, we're not talking about neighbors like, you know, 100, 200 feet away. You know, these are farms, so there's yeah. some distance. It's going to take you a while Wild. to walk over there. Yeah. So, in a, at any rate, like I said, the, the, it's unsolved. There's been various theories over the years. And here's where it clicks with some of my others. So, I think I mentioned in a previous case a book called The Man from the Train. Well, yeah. Do you remember yeah. this? This okay. was during your... I believe you're the Texas right. one. The, the Texas servant girl. Yeah, one. Okay. I think that's when you brought it up. Yeah. So Bill James and his daughter, Rachel, were working on this case. Okay. And this all, and like I said, I ran into this, but when I was doing those Austin servant girl murders and also the Church of Sacrifice murders, yep. my Louisiana case. Yep. Okay. And I had come across this YouTube video that connected those two cases with a lot of other 
axe murder cases in the United States between the years 1898 and 1912. And so Bill James and his daughter had gone through, looked at all these newspaper reports from those years, and found that there were a number of murders that had 10 things in common. It's a lot of things in common. Number one, the entire family was murdered. Okay. Number two, it always happened at night. Okay. Number three, it was always, the murders always happened with an axe or something like an axe. Four, the weapon that was used to kill everybody was always already at the scene. So the killer didn't bring it with him. Mm -hmm. He used something from the household. Okay. Um, five, it was normally the blunt side of the axe that was used. Six, there's almost, if there, if there is a young girl, her body is usually treated differently in some way. Okay. Uh, number seven, the bodies are usually stacked. Eight, the bodies were usually covered. Nine, it's normally an isolated house. And ten, it's almost always within walking distance of a train station. That's too many things in common for it to be a coincidence. And guess what other case fits all of those? This one. The Hinterkaifeck murder. The only difference here is that the train is just a bit further out. The walking path that had to have been used was 2.6 miles. But really, that's not that far. Mm -hmm. I mean, for us, that sounds probably kind of like a lot. Yeah. But back then, I mean, people walked that distance all the all time. All the time. Right. Yeah. Because it's really not that far. So as they were going through working on this book... They settled on the first case happening in 1898, the Newton family in Massachusetts. And what's interesting is very often, you know, it's really important for investigators to figure out with the serial killer who were their first victims. Mm -hmm. Because normally that's where they make mistakes, yeah. right? So they identified this Newton family as the first one and at the time, there was actually a suspect who seemed pretty likely to be associated with it, a German immigrant, of although course. he was possibly from Austria. I guess there was some confusion there. A guy named Paul Müller. Okay. And even though they kind of had some interest in him, they didn't arrest him quick enough, and he disappears. Dun, and, dun, dun! Yes. And then these axe murders, wiping out entire families, continue up until another very notorious case, the Velisca axe murders that happened on June 10th, 1912 in Velisca, Iowa. So the Jones's theory in The Man from the Train is that this guy, Paul Mueller, probably was the serial killer, although they actually ended up separating out the Austin Servant Girl murders and the um, Church of Sacrifice murders because most of those, although not all, were African Americans. 
and normally serial killers kill within their race. And there were also some things about those two cases that were also different. Like with the servant girl murders, you didn't always have like a full family being killed. They were actually dragged from their beds, you know, so there were some differences there. In any rate, their theory is that Paul Mueller starting with the Newton family in Massachusetts, and then he immediately goes on the run. Okay. He uses trains to travel all over the country, probably gets off trains, finds these kind of isolated houses, watches them for a while. After the Velisca axe murders, because there was so much publicity with those, he probably laid low for quite a while, realized, eh, maybe they're getting on to me, possibly returned to Europe, and Hinterkaifeck may have been his last hurrah. In all, the Jameses claim in The Man from the Train, they are certain from the 1898 to the Hinterkaifeck murders mm -hmm. that he wiped out 14 families with a total of 59 victims. However, there are a number of other reports in newspapers within that time frame that could very well also f be part of this same killer. There may be as maybe another, another 25 families with an additional 94 victims. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So it's a fascinating, fascinating theory. Um, I'm dying to read the book, uh, obviously. obviously. <laughs> I need to get my hands on it. Um, I did read an interview with the daughter that was very, very interesting. I mean, and they were very, very thorough in the way they gathered together these stories and laid them out, you know. And like I said, there were some of these other where you, you know, where you had axe murders. But maybe there were a couple of small changes, and that's why they left those other twenty-five yeah. families, you know, as maybes. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty convinced. I'm pretty interested because think how easy that would have been, right? In that day and age, when, as we've already discussed, you had police forces that tended to treat everything locally. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't necessarily have been looking at, you know all over the country, um, other similar murders and putting those together. Yeah. So. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's a lot of fucking people, man. I know. Oh I know. my gosh. I mean, if, if that's true, he's definitely one of the most prolific killers. In oh history. yeah. Whether it's this Paul Miller guy or whether it's, is somebody else. And maybe it was, maybe it's a couple of people that, mm -hmm. you know, cause we've definitely had more than our share of those, Yeah, you know, but definitely people who were riding the rails and using that as their way to get around. That's and murder. That was a good one. Did you I, like that? Yeah. It's weird. I feel like we switched roles a little bit. I feel like I had, I was a little more emotional with that one than I normally am. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty, like I, the, the whole thing with the little seven year old with Cecilia just so sad. It's that's too horrific yeah. to even think about. So, and there were some other weirdnesses too. So, another strange thing about this case is you know, I mean, we look now and we look back at it and we think, okay, they did such shoddy, shoddy police work, but at the time, they didn't necessarily know better. So, there were very, you know, of course, 
as has happened with other cases of ours. So after the bodies were discovered, of course, lots of neighbors had come and, you know, and walked through and, you know, destroyed evidence that way. Um, there were only a very few photos that were taken. There are, um, and then when the bodies went to the coroner and he looked at them, they wanted to do, I don't know, further analysis. So they decapitated the bodies sent all six heads to Munich to be further studied to see if they could get any more evidence. What? So they just cut their heads off and... <laughs> Which, at the time, believe it or... I know. So at the time, that actually wasn't that unusual, believe it or not. What? So they had... But it gets better. Oh, great. Um, they got lost. How do you lose the heads how do you of lose, dead people? How do you lose six heads? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so they, so these people are, are buried without their heads. And the following year in 1923, uh, the farm was burnt to the ground on purpose by, mm -hmm. you know, the local people. There is a memorial that still stands there to them. And that's the story of the Hinterkaifeck murders. That's creepy. I know. I liked it, though. Ugh. See, Ugh. Quentin Tarantino now needs to make a film about how that <laughs> should have gone, and then we'd be happy, but, yeah. What are you doing? You're, you're texting. You're texting during our show. Hey, you do the show all the I time. I do have all the time. Well, I, time. I go on Facebook and look around, but... Yeah, she's scrolling Facebook instead of listening to me. <laughs> that one yeah. was weird. I did, I did get really... A lot more emotional. I felt like you for once, because normally I'm a cold hearted bitch. But yeah, well, and yeah. I've had a long time to deal with this too, because I, I had this one ready to go two weeks ago, and I it was actually a case that I started early on. Yeah, which you know how crazy that is for me. So. Yeah, but yeah. So where what are you doing? You want to give a little hint or? Um, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Okay. And I can pronounce his name, Yay. which is cool, and. I don't know if I wanna. I don't know if I wanna tell you about it. All yet. right. Well, we'll let the mystery hang. We want to thank all of you who have liked us on Facebook, who have joined our discussion group. We encourage all of you who have not yet done so to do so. Uh, we appreciate all of you who have shared episodes and you know told your friends about us. We're very appreciative. So if you have a case you'd like us to do, international or otherwise, mm -hmm. email us at stateofcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Yep. I actually updated the Twitter a couple weeks ago. I updated ago. the Instagram tonight while we were recording. Yay. So, but I need to update it again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just connect with us on social media. Let us know your thoughts. And thanks. and if you're listening on an Apple product, make sure you go into your Apple podcast and rate and review us, please. Um, but I think that's all now. So until next time. Thanks for listening.